Keep She Shatters and She Burns fans, this is Hannah Austin, your host for the She Burns podcast. I'm excited to announce that my first book, Hello Head, Meet Heart, is now out on Amazon. For more tips, tricks, and ways that you can burn bright and not burn out, visit me on Amazon at Hello Head, Meet Heart. Happy reading! Welcome to the She Burns Podcast, the go-to podcast for women who were born to burn bright without burning out. When you're at the top of your game, the difference between handling the heat and boiling over comes down to the right self-care advice at the right time. And if you're ready to take your seat around the campfire, these interviews with inspiring women will help you keep your flame alive. Hello everyone, I'm Hannah Austin and this is season three of the She Burns podcast. This season's theme is Women Game Changers. In this episode, I'm talking with Madeline Mackey. Madeline is known to the job seeker community as a career activator. As a certified career management coach, member of the National Resume Writers Association, and former board member of the National Speakers Association, Madeline offers conference keynotes, professional development training, and career coaching to help her clients design unique job application documents. She builds innovative career plans to create lifelong success for her clients. In addition to her private clients, Madeline is a lead trainer and senior consultant for the national outplacement firm, Lee Heck Harrison, where she's been assigned to work with VIP clients like the Oakland Raiders, Blue Cross Blue Shield of California, Chevron, Novartis, and Twitter. Welcome, Madeline. I am so excited that you're here with me today. I am so thrilled. You know you're one of my favorite people, Hannah. Oh, thank you, my dear. So why don't we start with you telling me a little bit and our listeners about how you became a career coach. I like it, the career activator. That's a great question. It took me 40 years to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> After a career as a, I started my career as a published biochemistry researcher, wrote my first paper and said, I never, ever, ever want to do that again. Then I spent 15 years working at professional theaters all across the country, including four Tony Award winning theaters. And I was in a production administrative role. Loved that. And then I went to go work for the American Red Cross as a program manager and the external relations officer. And then I figured since it took me that long to figure out what I wanted to be, I was going to be a career coach to help other people figure out what they wanted to be when they grew up. That's a great story. Out of those jobs, would you say you could pick a favorite or was it each job just kind of gave you little pearls to wisdom along the way? I think each job led me to where I am today. I love my career. I love being the career activator and helping people activate their career dreams and giving that that sense of confidence, motivation, education, and empowerment. But you're absolutely right. I took a little bit from every career. From my chemistry career, I took, number one, you know, attention to detail, mm -hmm. documentation, workflow, and processes. But I also learned about what would make me happy and what wouldn't make me happy. Even though I was very good in the chemistry lab, I was very unhappy in the yeah. chemistry lab. And that was a big lesson to learn, especially in my 20s. Yeah. When I worked in professional theater, oh, I learned how to be flexible. <laughs> I learned how to be agile because every eight weeks we had a new show. Oh my gosh. And that meant a new 
right? A new team to work with, a new group of designers, a new group of artists and actors and professionals. And I had to get creative. Like my job was to keep the process moving forward. And so I had to find everything from hip hop artists to hip hop choreographers to come in and teach a dance to finding someone that would play odd instruments like a xylophone and be like, they were like, find someone to find a xylophone to come in and do this or finding a thousand cell phones that we could destroy every night for the show. So I learned the power to ask, Mm -hmm. right? Like when I had to find things like a 1960s jukebox, I was like, where am I going to find that? And I would just ask, I'd say, hey, does anybody know where I could get a 1960s jukebox? And every single time I would ask those types of questions, somebody would say, my uncle, my cousin, my neighbor, used to own a bar and in their basement, they have a bunch of jukeboxes. Come and take a look at them. So that was really important to learn how to ask, to ask your community for what you need. And then finally in the American Red Cross, you know, I learned how to stay calm in a crisis. My job was to respond to disasters all over the country. And you're dealing with people at two o'clock in the morning during a very terrible, tragic time. You know, they just lost everything they owned in a house fire or a flood or a tornado. And to stay calm and to be compassionate and to be patient and understanding and to also be able to problem solve very, very quickly. Um, So all of that contributed to me being an entrepreneur, right? As an entrepreneur, you (laughs) know that we have to pay attention to details. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to be flexible and kind of go with the flow of what's happening in our business. And finally, you have to stay calm in a crisis because- That's for sure. (laughs) Right, every day. Something pops up mm-hmm. and I'm like, uh-oh, how am I going to mm-hmm. deal with this? Absolutely. So yeah. every every job is important. You take a little bit, bit of knowledge and understanding from each one. Well, and I think that obviously your own career trajectory and your path and your story really sets the tone for the conversation today around we all know the elephant in the room, right? COVID happened. You know, you prepared yourself with Red Cross, right? For that, the ultimate disaster happened. And you being an entrepreneur and being in your role and then having to pivot, right? During this time, tell me a little bit about what your world and how it changed pre and post pandemic. So what was Madeline's life like before the pandemic? And then what has it been like post pandemic, specifically around your company, your business, and just the floodgates happening, right? With the great resignation and the pandemic and people just uprooting their lives. Well, two major things happened. Number one, uh, Madeline Mackey Associates is a career training and coaching company. So I was doing a lot of live trainings, mm-hmm. going into classrooms, going into companies and providing professional development trainings. And in fact, I was in the middle of a training, um, a live session in a classroom when one of my students said, oh my gosh, there's a there's a shelter in place order that's going in place at tonight at midnight. Oh and I was like, what? What are you talking about? And suddenly, like my students are like, what do we do? Where are we going? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. I ended class. I sent everyone home and said, check your emails for more information. Mm-hmm. I then packed up my entire office. And when I say entire office, I'm talking about the chair, the desk, the monitors, the artwork, my favorite coffee and tea out of the coffee break room. I took packs of paper. I took the whole office and lifted it up and brought it home, just like everyone did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, 
I had to convert all of my live trainings to virtual. And that was a process to figure that out, to figure out how can I engage my students? How can I continue to um, share this information about resume writing and LinkedIn and job search strategy? I had to figure out how to use Zoom just like everyone else. Um, And it was, you know, it was a process. Um, Then the next thing that happened is my business exploded, right? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, everyone about a year later, two years into it, people were like, I want work-life balance. I want to be happy. And what makes me happy is spending time with my loved ones, Mm -hmm. being home, cooking dinner, going on hikes, taking my dog for a walk. And so a lot of people, a lot of my clients, past and new clients, started blowing up my phone and my email Mm -hmm. saying, Madeline, I need a new resume, but here's what I want. And that was the big change. Mm -hmm. Usually when people call me, they're like, oh, I, I want a new job with more money. This time it was, I want a new job that allows me to work from home. I want to do 40 hours a week. I want to do this, this, and this, but I do not want to do that. I want to work for these type of people in this type of culture, and I want to get paid this much money. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that they wanted more money. Right. They were like, I want, this is the money I need to maintain my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it was less than what they were currently making, but they were totally fine with it because the payoff on the other side was more time doing what makes me happy. So if I have to take a $10,000, $20,000 pay cut to do that, they were totally fine with it. And they wanted it in the cover letter. They were like, put it in my cover letter, Madeline, (laughs) that I want this type of job, Mm -hmm. remote, at this location, this. And I was like, well, well, could we start with the value you offer before we start making demands? Well, it sounds like it was a really big shift. And I experienced this too. I mean, you and I've had this conversation offline is like, when when you know, you know, and when you're done, you're done. And when you put a stake in the ground, it says, family is important. Life's important. My mental health is important. I'm not going to tolerate X, Y, Z any longer. And when companies, they no longer are in the driver's seat, right? Who has the power right now? It's the applicant right now. And we're not used to that. We're used to to being one out of a thousand jobs versus what it is now. So that all of this stuff is happening. You're having to pivot. You're having to switch, having to learn Zoom. Your stuff's in a box or wherever you're putting it. (laughs) We're in San Francisco at the time, right? So, and you're used to traveling. I think you're traveling across the country, wherever you are. I was traveling to conferences and speaking. Yes, all that changed. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how did companies react to that change, in your opinion, from your lens? What were you hearing, seeing, trending, you know, kind of mid-pandemic? And then where are we now? What I'm seeing right now is companies have adapted to being virtual and knowing that their employees can be productive in a virtual world. And so that's a big, big change. And they want to keep their talent. A lot of people are concerned about a recession or if I make all these demands, they're going to pull the offer off the table. And companies know they need their employees and they, they heard. The good companies heard what their employees wanted. Now, it's got to be a negotiation. It needs to be a win-win for both parties. So you may not be able to find that 100% remote job, but there come many companies are hybrid. Many companies are saying, yes, work from home. We'll set it up for you to be successful. We'll even give you a work from home stipends to set up your home office. But here's what we're going to require in return. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to come into the office once a week or twice a week. We're going to need you to have set hours. We're going to need, you know, they have tracking uh, mm-hmm. software and 
installed on the company computer. You know, a lot of people are saying Microsoft Teams is the big tattletale. So it tells when people are online and offline. But everybody is adjusting. And for my clients that are in the market looking for that new job that's the right fit, they are finding it. They are being able to get some of the things that they want from the position. And the salary is being comparable. They're not losing out on a lot of um, compensation. They're finding a salary that matches their needs. But it takes time. That's the last part. It's taking time. It's not instant. Um, You have to look and you might have to say no to some of those offers if they don't feel like a good fit. Absolutely. Talk to me about I'm a worker. I'm back to work as usual, business as usual, but I am yearning for that work to home, from work from home. I am yearning for that flexibility. I am willing to take similar pay or a little bit of less pay for that work-life integration, work-life balance, whatever you want to call it. What is the first step that someone should take if they're feeling that way or unfulfilled or, you know, kind of just sitting there in their current role? Like there's more to life than this. Yes, there's three steps they need to take. There's a pre-step though that I want them to breathe. Because sometimes it feels like if you're in a bad role, you feel like there's a weight sitting Mm -hmm. on your chest. So you need to slow down and breathe. Once you do that, the first step is to create a vision, figure out what it is that you want. So whether it's brainstorming on a piece of paper, creating a vision board, I recommend clients write their own job description of what type of company they want, what kind of boss they want, because people quit me. Managers sometimes, not companies. And then what are the things that fulfill you? What activities in the workforce made you happy? Do you want to manage a team or do you want to be an individual contributor? Do you like to talk to people or do you like to work with data? Like what are the things and activities that make you happy? So first create a vision. Once you have a vision, the second thing I want you to do is cultivate the resources and do a little market research. So go out into the world, into the market and look at the job boards, LinkedIn, Indeed, FlexJobs, and put in the activities you wrote down that you said, these are the things that I want to do. Don't search by job titles. Job titles are all over the place these days. But if you really like to work with customers, put customer service in the search box. If you like training people, put training in the search box. I had one person, she's like, Madeline, I love doing scheduling. I love, it's like a puzzle to me. And I Mm -hmm. love figuring out all the logistics with scheduling something. I said, let's put scheduling in the search box. And she found all these amazing jobs she never would have thought about that were related to doing scheduling 80% of the time. Because that's what you want. You want a job that allows you to do what you love at least 80% of the time. We're always going to have aspects of a job that we don't like. But if 80% you can be doing things you enjoy, you're going to be much happier. When you find those jobs on those job boards that you think you might be interested in, I want you to copy and paste them into Microsoft Word or print them out and then take two highlighters, a yellow and a green. With the green highlighter, highlight everything you know how to do. Then with the yellow highlighter, highlight the things you might need to learn. What you've just done is a skills assessment and a gap analysis. Now there's a plan. You're like, whoa, these are the things I know how to do. Let's put those on a resume. Mm -hmm. These are the things I need to learn. Let me create a professional development plan. And that's the third step is to activate because now you have information to move yourself forward. So if you need to update your resume, let's update the resume. Mm -hmm. If you need to learn some new software, some new technology, or just a whole new process, then it doesn't mean going back to school and getting another degree. Many of us have gone to YouTube University (laughs) and learned a lot of different 
things and techniques. I've gone to LinkedIn Learning. LinkedIn Learning is a library of 10,000 different online courses, and you can get access to that mostly free through your local library. So learn things. Once you have that, then it's time to pursue that job. It's time to activate. So that's the three steps. Create, cultivate, activate. I love it. I love that there's three steps. I love that it's pretty simple in that way. I love the simplification of color, yellow, green. This is what you do. This is what you're good at. This is what you need to, I mean, you kind of broke it down for us. When you just said, don't search for job title, I wonder if our listeners are thinking the same thing I did. Everybody does that. Everyone, oh, I'm an operations manager. I'm just going to put that in there. How many jobs are we missing just putting in two words versus the keywords that we really want to do? I mean, exactly. I, it made me think like, gosh, back in the day when I was looking for a job, you know, I maybe was looking for the wrong job because it wasn't yes. actually the things that I knew how to do. So I love that like key tip there. What do you think is the biggest mistake job seekers make other than putting that in there? Not having a plan. Mm-hmm. I think they know they want out, but they don't know where to start. And that's where reaching out to a career coach, a career consultant, a resume writer can help you move the needle Mm -hmm. because now you have an accountability partner, you have a subject matter expert, and they will have tools and resources to keep you moving forward. Mm -hmm. The job search, it's not fun. It's like exercise. A lot of us just don't want to do it. So wake up and think, oh, I got to I gotta search for a new job and I'm already unhappy and tired and depressed and now I've got to write a resume and I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Outsource that. Yeah. Get it off your plate. Let, let the experts, my team or a member of the National Resume Writers Association, let them write your resume. Let a career coach help you figure out your job search plan. Let an interview coach help you prepare for interviews because that's how we move the needle forward, right? When you want to move and buy a new house, many of us, we don't do that on our own because it's too overwhelming. We hire a real estate agent to say, help me navigate this process. And that's how we end up where we want to go. So Mm -hmm. don't walk this journey alone. There's a wonderful African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And a lot of us with our jobs, our careers, there's a lot of far places we want to go and we're going to need some help to do it. Love it. Love it. Tell me a little bit about right now, LinkedIn. So there is, those of us who are active on LinkedIn on a daily basis, there's kind of two camps, right? It's how much do you put on LinkedIn? Like how personal are you, especially with mental health awareness? Like, do you dump it all on the table? (laughs) Do you close the kimono? Like what, what exactly are we doing? What is your advice when you are currently in a job and you don't want, of course, your employer to know that you're looking until it's at that point versus trying to be open and out there. What are some tips or advice that you have around LinkedIn? Because I know this causes a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. It does. And I want people to start, first of all, let's start with the profile. Like what all do I put on my profile? Because if I put too much, my boss is going to know that I'm searching. Right. Keep your profile up to date all the time. Not just when you're searching for a job. Mm -hmm. So I use LinkedIn as my online business card. So it's up to date with my work history, with my accomplishments, with my certifications, with my awards and testimonials. And I always keep it up to date. I also keep my network up to date. So when I meet new people, Hannah and I met at a business workshop networking event. And I sat there on that Zoom call and every single participant in that 
in that meeting, I was reaching out and connecting to them on LinkedIn because LinkedIn's my online business card. Like think back in the days when we used to go to conferences live, we'd bring a stack of 500 business cards. And by the end of the conference, we'd have none left. Mm -hmm. So my door is a little more, more open. I let people into my LinkedIn network that are in my industry profession or other professionals. Doesn't mean I let everyone in, but I, I take a look at their pro profile and say, can I support this person? And can they support me? Can we make it a win-win scenario? So have a great profile and keep it up to date. Keep your network up to date. And the last thing I know everyone's like, do I have to post? You post things that are of interest to your community. So if you find out about events, if you find out about a book, a YouTube video, if your company is hiring, Mm -hmm. collect a referral bonus from your network by posting the jobs that your company is hiring or internships or scholarships or great things that they're doing in community. Brag about your company because I will tell you probably most of your LinkedIn connections are people that work at your company. And when they see that you're posting and bragging about the organization, that you're an ambassador for the organization, you might be surprised at the type of opportunities Mm -hmm. that come your way. I had one client that started to do that and the CEO noticed they recommended her for a leadership program. She got a certification. She She showed up on panels and it really benefited her internal career. And this is the last thing I'll say on that, LinkedIn is not a tool to look for a job. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn is a tool to do your job and to build a career. So it's something that you should be active in on a regular basis. That's great advice. I think a lot of people just use it like, oh, I need a job. All of a sudden I'm going to update. And then everybody can see like, hey, she just got this or she just added skills. And they like alert. It alerts everybody. Like I just put on there, I now have a publisher and everyone's like, congratulations on your new job. I was like, no, I I have my own job. This is a different thing. (laughs) This is a different thing. You got to be careful about those things. The other question I had for you is, okay, so we hire you, you redo the resume, we find our dream job, then we get to the interview and it's like, oh gosh, the interview's coming up. I haven't interviewed in like 10 years, 20 Mm -hmm. years. What do I say anymore, right? What is your advice? Do you get uh, candidates to that point and beyond? Like talk to me about kind of the whole process. Yes, I do a lot of interview coaching in my business. And the biggest advice I can give to people is if you, the minute you start sending out your resume, you need to start preparing for the interviews. Mm -hmm. Many of us wait till the night before and we cram for the interview. The second you start sending out the interview, because there's like 10 questions, you know, they're going to ask. They, you know, they're going to ask, tell me about yourself. Right. So start writing your elevator pitch now. Mm-hmm. They're going to ask, why do you want to work for our company? Why are you leaving your current employer? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself in five years? And then they're going to ask the dreaded, give me an example of your leadership skills, mm-hmm. your collaboration skills, dealing with conflict. And the final question that no one likes to answer, but they are going to ask, what's your salary expectation? Mm-hmm. That's 10 questions. You already know they're going to ask you. So the minute you start sending out the resume, start preparing your interview scripts for those top 10 questions. That's great. I love that. You know, for those of you that are listening, literally write down those questions because I was a leader, I was a manager, CEO of company. You know, these are exactly what we ask, right? It's not any rocket science or brain science. What about preparation for that? I know everyone's worried about 
you know, those personal questions or how much information do you actually give during your interview? Do you say flat out in the interview, um, you talk about work-life balance, do you talk about work-life integration? You don't want to look like you're like, I don't want to work. You, know? <laughs> you want to keep it positive. So let's, let's just look at that quick question of why are you looking for work right now? Right. Keep it positive. I had a great five years at ABC company. But I was excited to see this role about your organization where I could use skills one, two, and three to help you achieve this. Notice it's short, positive, mm-hmm. and true. Yeah. We spent one line talking about our previous employer, and it was very positive. I had a great five years at ABC Company. Mm-hmm. Now we talk about the future. I want to use these skills that you highlighted in green on the job description to help you do what? Achieve their mission. It's mm-hmm. on their website. And so that answers the question without giving too many details. But by saying, I want to use skills one, two, and three to help you do that, you're setting yourself up for the first star story because they're going to go, a star story is how you answer those situational-based questions, situation, task, action, result. And so by saying, I want to use skill A, B, and C, they're going to say, oh, give me an example of how you've used skill A. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, the situation was this. The task I had to do were this. The actions I took to complete those tasks were A, B, C, and D, and the results were this. So you can help steer the conversation mm-hmm. If you're prepared for it, many of us think, oh, I know my career. I know my background. I'll be fine once I get an interview. There's a lot more competition out there these Mm -hmm. days. You need to be more than fine. You need to be exceptional. And the only way to do that is practice, practice, and practice. Well, I love the STAR acronym. I think that's really helpful. I think a lot of people get stuck on that. Um, You know, what did you do? Like, show us versus tell us and kind of through that story. Often a lot of people go off on story time, you know, story road. And they're like, wait, what did they say? I love it when they're like, what was your question again? Where was I going with this? Where am I going? (laughs) Out the doors. Just kidding. Um, But I think that is one thing where people get stuck. The other thing that I'm hearing a lot from my clients right now is I got to leave, right? So don't be running away from something, run towards something. I think a lot of people were like, I just got to get out of here. It's so toxic. Everybody's leaving. I'm doing now instead of three jobs, I'm doing five jobs. What's your advice about um, timing, right? And not, I think that guilt feeling of leaving because a lot of people, this is real. A lot of people are feeling like I have to stay. I have to stay because I am needed. Everybody needs me. No one can live without me. Everybody needs me. Exactly. So talk to me. I'm sure you hear this story daily, if not monthly. Yes. Yeah. So I asked people the same question. If the company lost a major contract, how fast would they lay you off? And most people would say they'd lay me off in an hour. Mm. You know, they'd lay you off immediately. Mm -hmm. And they'd say, pack your bags or turn and ship your computer back to us. Right. We have to take the personal out of a business decision. Mm -hmm. If you get offered another job, you give your two weeks notice because it's a business decision. Yeah. There's a morbid meme out there that talks about, you know, if you passed away on your job, they'd send you flowers that afternoon and post your job the next morning. Pretty much. Yeah. And it's the truth. So as much as we're like, you can like the people, you can provide support, you can give them an exit strategy and say, I've received an, I've enjoyed my seven years here. I received a new opportunity. I will be leaving in two weeks. Let's get to work on an exit strategy so we can have a smooth transition. Be professional, be kind, be compassionate. 
but make what's the best decision for you, your mental health, your family, your lifestyle, and your career. Love it. Love it. Talk to me about when you go around and you speak to companies. It's a kind of a fine line because you're speaking at organizations and companies and you're basically saying, leave, but don't leave. Like, what's the fine line between what information you're delivering versus not, if that makes sense? I totally understand. I have companies that bring me in that say, do not tell these people to leave their jobs. And I don't. Yes. It's about creating a career plan. Mm -hmm. So those same steps, create a vision, cultivate the resources and activate. Hey, you may love your company and that's great. So let's create a vision of where you see yourself going in this company over the next 12 months. Let's highlight internal job descriptions with what do you need to learn for your next position and what do you already know how to do? Let's write the resume. Let's prep for interviews. Let's do all the same things, but to stay at your company. Let's have a career plan. Love it. So succession planning is huge. And I think this is often where organizations, companies, let's face it, the future of an organization is succession planning. Because if you're succession planning correctly, you probably don't have to recruit as much externally, depending on the organization. So what can leaders, like if a leader's listening to this right now, or they're struggling with you know, DEI requirements or just struggling with losing a lot of women, right? Where we're at. What advice would you give to them at this point? Talk to your employees. I think, you know, do not have those closed door conference room meetings of let's figure out how to keep our employees. No, let's talk to them. Surveys are great and things like that. But you know what? That's where the working with the leadership of your employee resource groups, those that are vocal within the company, sit down and let's have a conversation with individuals. I even guarantee you that they may want to come into the office mm-hmm. and actually have those conversations face to face. When you show that you are really interested and you really care about what they seek and what they need to be successful in their careers, they will open up and talk to you. I absolutely love that. As leaders, when we listen, we show our employees that we care, we ask them for feedback, we are creating that space to open up the dialogue to hear what they have to say. Thank you so much, my friend, for being here today. I love what you had to say about the three steps for us to begin our career transition and search if people are feeling lost or feeling like they're ready for a change. It's so important what you had to say about the keywords to search in LinkedIn, not searching for the job title that you want, but listing those keywords um, of those actual job duties or what you actually want to work on day to day. And ultimately putting ourselves in the driver's seat and activating our own career plan. That was so powerful. And I love those 10 questions that you had us uh, review for interview prep. So thank you so much. For more information on Madeline Mackey, please visit her at www.madelinemackey.com. And as women, we are all searching for what lights us up and keeps us healthy. And together, we can learn how to burn bright and not burn out. Thank you for joining us on the She Burns podcast. We are so grateful for your time, energy, and support. For more tips, resources, and tools on how to burn bright, please visit us at sheshatters.com or on Instagram at sheshattersllc. 